rejoicing. I tell you, I'm just, oh my goodness. Uh, all the stuff that, that happened this past week, I appreciate it to the highest. Uh, Gary sent us a picture when they got back home. There was snow on the back porch and temperature dropping. I think it was uh, it's supposed to be 30-something, but it feels like 27, it says. The, the coldness that's back there, so... And uh, so I told him, you can come on back out, bro. Come on back out. If you want to come back out, come on back out. He said, definitely, we will be back. <laughs> so that, that's a good thing. Appreciate what God's been doing for all of us this past week. I know it was a little bit, maybe even tiring, but did we learn something this week? Did you learn some things about yourself? Or did you get some understanding? That song said, deliver me because they keep hurting yourself. How many have ever condemned yourself? That's how you hurt yourself. You condemn yourself. That's how you hurt yourself. You partake with the devil because the condemnation is his. And the devil is never here to do you any good. It's to kill, steal, and destroy. So you hurt yourself every time you condemn yourself. Every time you feel like uh, you're disappointing other people. We're not worried about other people. I, I, I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. That's the thing that's important. Uh, very cool stuff. So here's the thing. I have a warning for you right off the bat. All of us that were talked to, received something, maybe received some healing, maybe received, received some counsel, some, some good things pertaining to your relationship with God. Here's what the adversary starts to do. You're all excited when it gets started and you have it in your heart and you want to do better. Then here comes that thought. And you say, did that really happen? Or is that helping me? Or is that, you know what I mean? It, it starts to lessen. You start to go back into the old cycle. Start to go back into the old habits and stuff. That is normal. I say it this way because that's how he operates. He'll come to discourage you in what you just got from God. That's the thing. And he has to do it. It's like, um, what about those seeds? What happened to the ones that went by the wayside? Yeah, wasn't it immediate, though? It was immediate. Think about what I'm saying. It starts on that. As soon as you start getting healed, receiving things, it starts to try to shake your faith in that. It tries to shake your foundation in that. So I, I admonish you to do this. All the things that you were talked to about, all the things that you received during this time, keep them fresh in your heart. Commit yourself to thinking about those things and having God give you even more. You may relate them to the scriptures. You may have to call the person up again. Here's another thing. How many of you ever heard Gary say this? Uh, Submit yourself to the anointing and I will give you what? Without reservation, okay? How does that work, the submitting? Don't you commit yourself to the word of God that you've heard? Don't you commit yourself to the spirit? But it says when, when he talks about committing himself to the anointing, do you realize that's the seven elders? Do you realize that, right? That, that he committed himself to Rick and Dan. and all, That's where he got those things. The same thing that you heard him testify about is the same thing you can do too. That, why do you think his testimony was so intimate during the time he was here? He's telling you, you these things can be overcome. They don't have to be the way they are in your life. They can be overcome, and he's living proof of that. You know, he, he was very intimate about the things that he went through, and he tells people in a minute. It's kind of like what Paul said. 
Paul said, man, I wrecked havoc in the church, didn't he? He said, I was the chief sinner of whom I'm chief, he says. But didn't he turn out to be the greatest apostle of them all? Because he allowed the grace of God to work in him? This is a powerful thing, guys. And, and you have to allow the grace of God to work in you, too. You have to allow that grace to work. These are the works of God. What does that thing say in Proverbs 16.3? It says, uh, commit thy works unto the Lord, and he shall establish thy thoughts. So we're talking about submit and commit. That makes sense, doesn't it? Don't you have to be in submission to the things of God in order to, before you can even commit yourself? You've got to humble yourself and say, now I've got to listen to God. Now let me commit myself to this, you know? But some people can't submit. Their pride is so much in them that it's hard for them to submit. And um, it's a very powerful thing to uh, understand that this submission has to be you. It's, it's part of your will. You want to submit to God because there's none other. Who else? You think you want to submit to other people? And we even say this even submitting to the elder. What are you submitting to? Aren't you submitting to the spirit that's in that elder? Aren't you submitting to the word that he preaches? Not to the man himself. You understand what I'm saying? The submission is to God. And that's what Jesus came and showed us. He submitted himself totally to the Father. Everything the Father said, he, that's what he was going to speak. Everything the Father told him to do, that's what he was going to do. Submission requires obedience, doesn't it? Requires faith, doesn't it? That, that's very powerful stuff. So we have to submit. Every one of us has to submit. Now, I'm going to say another thing here. I told you about you're really submitting to the spirit that's in the elder, but it's very important for you to listen to what the elders tell you. You know, you may have other ideas or you may have a thought. I, I get a lot of this sometimes, but doesn't that still mean what, just listen to what the original answer was and then see? Because we get our thoughts going sometimes and we'll override the word that's just been given to us. You know, because, but I think it's like, and I think it's like that. Well, that's not what we're here for. We're here to give you the word. And then sometimes we'll tell you, think on that. Just think on that for a while. Because you know what I have confidence in? I have confidence that God's going to give you the answer. That as you think on it, he will add to you. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, the Father from heaven gave us, let me see if I can remember how it is. The spirit of wisdom and What's the term I want to use? Like revelation. I think that's what it is. He gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation from heaven so that we can do what? So we can have the eyes of our understanding be open. Isn't that what it says after following that? And why is it open? For us to follow that hope that's there. That's why it comes. So I remember the story about Jonathan. Anybody remember the story about Saul's fighting the battle with the Philistines and all that stuff? And, and he tells all of his men, which is a bad thing to tell him anyway, but he's the king at the time. He said, nobody eat or drink anything until we beat, whip the enemy. That doesn't make sense. You understand? You want to eat and drink and have strength so that you can continue to fight the enemy. But for some reason, he made this edict as king. He wasn't a wise king all the time. And he said, nobody eat or drink until we've defeated these guys, you know? So his son Jonathan goes out, and I, all the circumstances that lead up to this, you're going to have to go read it. Jonathan goes out, and, and he eats some honey that he finds, and it strengthens him and enlightens him, and it enlightens him on how to defeat the Philistines. 
and by himself, he slaughters a huge amount. And the people hear about it and say, oh, my God, look what Jonathan has done, Saul's son. And, but Saul, the, the, his thing was, once I make an edict, that's it. So Jonathan comes back, and, and they're worshiping everybody, you know, the thing about the big victory he's won, all this stuff. And then Saul comes back to his and said, well, I said nobody was going to eat. And he's still on his own son. He still wants to carry this out as king. That shows you sometimes that we can be we can be in a wrong thought to the part that we will even, uh, how can I say it, our own children will suffer. We think we may be doing a good thing, but we're not doing a good thing. And, and it works out that way, and it shows it. The people rose up, they said, no, there's no way, king, no. With what he's done, his people rebelled against him right then and said, no. With what Jonathan's done, there's no way you're gonna, we're going to allow you to slay him. You know, from what, for what he's done. And that sometimes people have to stand up and speak the truth about certain things. And they, they didn't allow it to happen. Great story if you go back and read it. Very important. We have things that we're, we're working on right now because they've been given to us to help us to work on it. Uh, one of the things that's important is what, what, are, what is God doing with all of these things that he's uh, doing with us right now? Is he bringing deliverance from things that hinder us? Um, people say, well, what are we being delivered from? Some, I want somebody to get this, maybe get the mic and, and read this. Luke 1, chapter 1, verses 74 and 75. I want you to read that. Luke 1, 74 and 75. And just read, just read it right into the mic. It's important to know what we're being delivered from. Luke 1. Verses 74 and 75, I think. That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Wow. So we're being delivered to do what? To serve him in holiness and righteousness. This is how he delivers us. He delivers us. Now, here's the thing. He could be delivering you and you can be refusing the deliverance. You could be because you don't think it's not coming the way you think it should come. You have an expectation about how it's going to be. Terry said something very important this morning. God opened up a revelation to him and we always think it's going to be this grandiose big thing every time. But can it be something very small and you just take it comes in there so smooth and so easy and then you realize this is a revelation from God. But it's not this big thing. It's not somebody putting on an opera on stage. All it is is that your thought has changed. You've got more wisdom and understanding from the Lord, and God speaks to us that way all the time. When we have conversation with ourselves, we're not always going, oh, I like where, oh, that was great. Oh, that was great. Oh, that was great. Every other word. Oh, that's great. That's great. We don't do that. We talk with one another. And then after a while, what happens? We receive some of the things that were spoken in the conversation. Doesn't it say that I have, we have a conversation with God? Let your conversation be, you know, this is what God wants us to do. Let's have a conversation with him. Let him give us what we need. So there's another scripture I want to get. I think it's 2 Corinthians 4.3 4, 4, is where you need to start reading. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning at verse 3. And read three and four. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So why is it important for the glorious light of God, this, of Christ, this image? Why is this image so important? Why is the image of Christ so important? Gary gave his testimony of seeing him, didn't he? Why is the image so important? Why, if you see Christ, what are you doing? What is that making you? What are you becoming? Yeah, you are a son of God, and you're becoming a disciple. Didn't the disciples see him all the time? Didn't they, didn't they commune with him? Did they walk with him, talk with him? Everything, right? In the being the disciple of God, you will be disciplined to follow God in everything. It's good to know about the image of God. And it's good to know about the little G that tries to take you away from that. The God of this world blinded what? Did he say the eyes? What did he blind? Ah, it's the thought. It's how you think. Remember what it said about the heart? The heart is uh, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What do you think it's talking about? It's the way you think. It's not talking about the heart that's pumping here. It's talking about the center of your thoughts. That's the heart that it's talking about. So that heart is what's being deceived. That heart is what that little G works on. We know the God. It is the man of sin, isn't it? It's him working on the things in your heart, working on the thoughts that are being conceived in your heart. And he wants to do a conception where it's of evil. God wants to do a conception of where it's good. Remember we were talking about those seeds going into the womb? Don't you want good seed? You want good seed going in there. That's the way it works. You want good seed going into the ground. Good seed. Now those other seeds will fall and you will learn from them if you have the good seed. That's how you're going to do it. They're going to fall. They're going to be in your life. Don't say that you've never had a seed where you walked away from God. Don't ever say you have a seed and you weren't offended by something because that's what the second one is. Don't ever say you've never had a seed and the cares of this life just ripped you right out of it and you followed that instead of following God. But then it always ends up with what? But those that get into that good ground, that ground has been prepared. What does it pre-produce? 160, 30-fold? It's telling you that's how you're going to reproduce. Now, we learned something while Gary was here. Who does the reproduction? The woman who brings the images. The woman. You see how important she is? This first thing, we started off with the sons coming together. Well, a good parable of that is the elders coming together in a one. So the son comes together. Now what are we working on? The wife, the woman, huh? This is how this works. So now after that comes in, Christ and the church, he loves the church, gave his life for it. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Same thing. So now Christ and the church coming into a one. Now it's going to come through the elders and their wives coming to a one because that's what's being preached. They preach the gospel. That has to be the one. The sonship is together. Now we're going for the wife, for the woman, for the understand. How many more things did you learn about the woman during this past week? Lots of things. The woman is very important because without that, the man is not complete. He's not complete. That's the key. My wife and I, I'm not complete without her. She, if, if she wasn't doing the things that she's doing, I heard Rick say this, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do. I wouldn't be able to speak to people and counsel and spend so much time doing different things, you know. And I don't even do that just for us here. I do it for others too. 
And so what happens is this time, the study, listening to the word, all these things. And you know what? She's doing the same thing. She, she has this, this zeal about her now that she wants to know these things of God. Um, I'm going to reiterate something that's been said to all of us. These principal doctrines of Christ everybody get into them not just the women but the women need to get into it for sure because it's going to help define what you're going to do in the body as the wife of god it's going to define that but the principal doctrines of christ where is it at hebrews 6 I actually got to read the very end of 5 because it talks about being skillful those that are on milk those that are on meat and whatever you read the end of five for the last three or four verses of five, then go right into that six, and you start reading about the principal doctrines of Christ. Very important. Dan's classroom, if you go to that, he breaks down every part of it and explains it. So it's not a matter of you just going to the scripture. He will explain it to you. And, give, and that will trigger other thoughts that you'll start to wait a minute. So he's saying this means this way. It will trigger other thoughts you will get more understanding than you think you're going to get. It's going to work out for you very well. So those principal doctrines, and what are they for to overcome this? Overcome the God of this world because we receive so much crap from the world. All the stuff that comes in. Remember, we were warned probably about two months ago. Don't, don't follow after the wisdom of the world. Don't let this world enter into your life. Remember when Pastor Dan was talking about that? This, this thing of the world. We let too much of the world in in our thoughts every day. We, we concentrate on too much of the world and not enough on God. So don't let that spirit of the world come into you. Uh, I think it's, is it uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where it talks about that natural man and the spiritual man? And it comes down to where you find out what is the spirit of the world. It's that natural man that tries to force himself into your life all the time. It's how you think every day. It's how you think, how you walk, and how you talk every day. And where do we spend most of our time? In the spirit of the world. This is what God wants to change, guys. Change that. We don't want to be in this one's world all the time. Remember, it says we want to go from little g to a big g, but the big g being the truth of God, not the little g of being part of the world, the wisdom of the world. Didn't, what did it say about the wisdom of the world? Didn't it say it was sensual? Didn't it say it was devilish? It did. Didn't it say that? And isn't it very easy for that thing to slip in by spirit and bring forth a devil? Bring forth a sensual spirit. Now, people think when you say sensual, you're talking about sex. No, you're talking about lust, period. Any type of lust, it can bring it into you. A lust for money, a lust for fame, a lust to be seen, a lust to have pride, whatever it may be. But it will bring that in there so subtle, and that's the term you use, so subtle that you're going along thinking all of a sudden you're thinking that and you haven't caught yourself. Time to wake up, isn't it? Wake your angel up. Let's see what's going on here. Don't let your angel be aloof. When he's aloof, then there's laziness going on. When your angel is aloof, it's not being prompted to do anything. There's no provoking of it. You see how that works? It becomes very lazy. What's the other word we use for lazy? Slowful. It becomes slowful so you don't get anything. You're just sitting there. You're just stewing every day about something. But you're not moving forward or backward. You're just stopped. This is what God wants us to understand, so don't be slowful in it. 
Don't be lazy in it. Allow these things that, that provoke you to provoke you unto good works. Doesn't it say that? But little G is always going to provoke you into something other than that. It will follow your lust. Ah, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing it right now. Ah, you know what? There's something I want to watch on this. I've been wanting to do this. For, oh, I got to go do this because, yeah, I, I think this is important to do. Oh, I think I better go over here and do it. And, and what happens is even when you make up your mind sometimes to do something for God, doesn't something come in and say, oh, no, I got to go do this? You know that's true. It happens to all of us. Oh, now I got to go do this. Oh, I got to take care of something for one of my kids. Or I got to go take care of something for the car. We're gonna, you know, but you have all day you were doing <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? You got times you can put aside. But we, we substitute is what we do. And we exchange one thought for another. What if I told you that's the other woman working? That's the strange woman coming and say, I just have to pull you off just slightly, just long enough for you to get a thought, and I got you. And the thing that's so weird she knows exactly what lust to present to you. Remember it said about the simple-minded man that was standing on the corner, the young man? She knew exactly what to say to him to draw him off. She even described it. She said, oh, come, come with me. The, the master's gone. My husband, in other words, is gone on a long journey. Won't be back for a long time. I've decked my bed with tapestries and perfumes. That must have appealed to him, huh? Come lie with me. And then she said she kissed him with an impudent face. She comes up, she's trying very hard. And since he's simple-minded, he goes off. And what did they say? It's like lambs and cows and whatever going to the slaughter. That's what it typifies it to. He doesn't realize the end of her ways are death and hell. He does not realize he's being led to the slaughter. You know what he's thinking? Pleasure. <laughs> Lust. That's what he's thinking. And really all she's saying is if I get him so far here, let me slaughter him. Send him to hell, then I'm going to go stand on the corner and get another one. <laughs> Wait and see if I get another simple-minded one coming by. That's what she does. So is that the thought that we need to be wary of? Do you think that maybe he disguises himself at that from time to time? Is it always male? We think, oh, the God of this world, we immediately think it's male. What do you think he uses? He uses everything. If he can use a child, if he can use a woman, if he can use himself, if he can use another thought that you treasure more than the thought of God, ah, he'll bring that thought forth in you. But what is that one? Uh, I'm almost done because I just want to give you an admonishment here after having such great word that came to us. Think on those things. But I think it's Ezekiel 38 and 10. Is, is that where it's at? Ezekiel 38 and 10. That's what came to me just now. When you start reading, I'll know if it's true or not. Yeah? That, yours is a little bit different. What Bible do you have? New King James. And what, go ahead and read the other one. Wait, wait. At the same, things will just come into your mind. Isn't that what it's saying? Things will just come into your mind. Then what does it say? That is a great scripture, by the way, just that by itself. Things will come to your mind. How many things come to your mind in a day? Are all of them good? No. And so we have to be awake. Awake thou that sleepest. 
This is what God is trying to tell. Let's be awake. You know, they talk about having the woke generation in the world, and they're talking about politics. Eh, don't, don't fall for that crap. God wants us to awake out of sleep. The sleep of what? Death. He, want, he wants you to wake out of the sleep of death. He wants you to be alive. Those waters, you ever stop to think, how many of you have imaged those waters in your mind? What do you think they look like? They're dark. And the things that come up out of them, they may be dark or kind of grayish, you know, when they come out. Have you thought about it? The last dream that I had about the waters, there was this huge serpent. He looked a lot like a dragon, but he has like fins and wings coming out, big old nostrils and a big head. And he was just blowing the water with, with twirl from the blow coming out of his nostrils. And he had a stern look on his face. Eyes were like fire. And he's just moving through the waters. And everything he went by, he was just bumping it out of the way. Just, you know, just pushing it. Trying to cause destruction of anything that's in his path. Yet, he's in those waters. And so, you know, here's another thing. Does Satan care about how he kills his own? Not at all. Not at all. He'll kill his own to get something accomplished. You see what I'm saying? But this thing is just bashing into stuff, destroying things. And I'm looking at it. It's, it's kind of like a wonder to me. And I'm looking, I said, wow. And he's huge. And he's just <laughs> like a bull almost, only in the waters. And his nostrils is just making the water just churn up everywhere. And he's mad about something. Then I look up above him. And right above him, there's an angel above those waters. And the angel is looking into the waters and he's stirring them up. He's doing that. He's stirring them up. And I'm looking at that and I said, wow. I said, what is that? And then the voice came to me and it said, that's your angel. And he's stirring up those things. He said, and that dragon you see in the waters, he's showing you it's going to be overcome. Totally. You know, I saw it doing what it was doing. It thought it had a lot of power. But my angel's just stirring it a little bit and is agitating it. It, it can't do anything. Say, why, why is this agitating me? Well, my angel's agitating him. Come on now. Come on. We're going to bring you up to the surface so Kenny can overcome you and do you in. That's what we're going to do. So he's all brash. But I read a scripture in the Bible that God has nostrils that blow out flame and fire. <laughs> Almost like a dragon, only he's a good one. And the same thing that this thing is doing, he's mocking, because he really has no power except in those waters. But God has power. He will do him in. He will be done. The, that wicked one, the prince of this world cometh, he has nothing in me. That's the point we need to get to, guys. We had to overcome this, because that thing starts off so sneaky. He's so diminutive. He's small like the little small horn that's in the back of the head in your thoughts. And he starts off small, and then he, through deception, the things that he does to you becomes bigger and bigger. And you eat more of it. Oh, you consume it as he brings more things in. The consuming is your believing. And then after a while, something will be conceived, and the next thing you know, you're dealing with a big devil, a big one. There was a place where David said this. He said, uh, my enemies, Lord, they are stronger than I. I'm paraphrasing, but they're not stronger than you. Sometimes they overwhelm me, 
they're big time enemies, but they're not stronger than you. So in you do I put my trust. And that's how David overcame. We think David had that just in him. Or do you think it was the spirit of God that was in him that was doing those things? It was the spirit of God. That's what made him different from the others. Same way with Caleb and Joshua. What was, didn't they have a different spirit? Their different spirit said, we, we are well able to take this land. But the other 10 said, no, no, we can't do it. They're too big, too many of them. We can't do it. That's what happens to people after a while. They figure they can't. Remember I talked that message to you about stop saying they can't? They can't. They figure that they can't. They can't. do. They look at the circumstances of it, and they say that they can't. God says, you can. You can. There is nothing impossible with God. And it says, and without him, you can do nothing. So it is going to take God. But remember, we're talking about God. <laughs> That's who we're talking. Without him, you can do nothing. But what with him, what can you do? All things. Nothing's impossible. See, just change it around. So this is what I mean about waking up. You have the power, guys. Every one of you. This stuff that, that came this past week, they all those words provoked us. Let it continue to provoke you. Remember them. Sit and think about them. Go to that thing I told you about where Dan has everything up there. Just start reading in that area. You may not get all of it at first, but it's going to start you on a journey. What did he say about getting rid of devils? You can't get rid of devils without what? Doctrine. Oh, you guys remember it. It's going to take the doctrine of God. What is doctrine, really? Isn't it teaching? What else is it, Ernest? Do you know what it is? Teaching? the foundation. Remember it says wisdom is the principal thing. And then what does understanding do? It doesn't help to build the things on that foundation? It sure does. But then it says both of them are the same. I am wisdom. I am understanding. Doesn't she say that in Proverbs? So they work together. You can't have one without the other is what I'm saying. They work together. So this wisdom, if we build on it, didn't we get some wisdom this past week? Let's build on it. Let's be provoked in it. And don't, this is the term I've used, is peter away. You don't want to do that. You want to go back into a cycle and just say, ah, go back into the worldly thought. How this world takes up all your time. Nah. Let's pray. That's the thing I want you to do, too. I want you to pray. Pray to God. Ask him to give you strength. Didn't David do that? And he even told him, say, created me a clean heart when he prayed, didn't he? And a right spirit. Do you think you can ask for those type of things? Oh, yeah, you can. Ask for it in faith and allow God to bring that to you. That's cool, huh? So does anybody have something that they got this past week that you're just burning to talk about? Terry talked a little bit about his. But does somebody have something that you were burning to talk about and say like in a testimony or something? All right. Not burning, huh? The only thing I wanted to say is that I know people were healed. I rejoiced at that healing. I know people were given understanding. I rejoiced at that understanding. I know there were people that, that were shocked at the amount of stuff that was uh, given as a testimony of where Gary had been, Don had been. They were very honest and intimate with us. You, you think about that. 
And so you think, oh, man, they, they, they're not going through what I'm going through. No, they went through worse than what you're going through. What you think you're going through, if you listen to the description of the things that were happening with, with Gary and Dawn, that was such a blessing to me, just to know that God brought them here to give that testimony, intimate testimony, and that provoked me to say, if they can do that and God did that for them, how can God do that for me? I tell you how he can do it for you. You believe it through faith. You pray, and God will do the exact same thing for you. No matter what you think your big thing is or your little thing is, God's able to do it. He did it for them and delivered them. And can you see how they're coming together in a unity with the husband and the wife? Ah, that's happening with me and my wife. I hope it's happening to all of those that are, that are married here. You just get that going. I'm talking about, and specifically, deacon and his wife and the elder and his wife. But what did Gary say? After that comes in through that, doesn't it go down into everybody within the body? You know why? Because the body is the bride of Christ. So Jesus being the husband, she being the bride, he's going to do the same thing for his bride all the way through, through the whole thing, isn't he? Nobody's left out. But the way God is doing this, he's doing it in an order, isn't he? Man is the head of the woman. Christ is the head of the man. Who's the head of Christ? God, that's the order he's doing it in. You stop to think about how God is doing this. I'll say this. He started with the sons. So he's getting these sons together in the form of the eldership being the example, the parable of it. Now he's going to the wife, the woman, right? What do you think might be next? Well, that's all part of it because it says the son and the daughter in the aspects of the soul, doesn't it? The brother. You wait and see. Now the brother... The fullness of what's in that is going to come forth. And then naturally, if there's a brother, there's a sister or a daughter. So then it's going to go to the daughter. And then it's going to go to what? The friend. God's going through each one of those aspects to show you this is going to be the type of provoking and a type of movement of God by his spirit. It's going to contain every one of them. And when you learn this, guess what? You get all of them done. Then you come back from being separated in soul to being one. That's exactly what's happening. So, sons, it happened with us. Now going to the wives, you get it? And it's going to go all the way down. And every aspect of the soul is going to be regenerated. It's going to be converted until we come back to one spirit. Wow. That's going to be it, isn't it, Ernest? That's going to be the deal. You'll be converted. You'll be the one and you'll be like Christ. You will be a Christ. It's as simple as that because you'll have the one spirit. All of us will be together in a one. And God's going down through each one of them. This is just the start, guys. We're going to make our way through it all. Don't you want to get on board? You want to get on board so we can go through all of it and get all the aspects of your soul regenerated and converted all the stuff that gives you trouble, all the stuff that makes you weak, all the stuff that does all kinds of stuff to you, makes you lust and have pride, whatever. Let's see if we can get rid of all of that through Christ and bring us together in a one. This is a great step. The wife thing should give you, gosh, we're provoking, but yeah, it should give you joy because if it's going to happen to them, then you know the brother's next. And all that. It's going to go down the line. Every one of us are going to have something 
that we can get involved with those aspects and convert them and regenerate them. And when the enemy brings them to us, when they're raw and unregenerated and, and terrible, when he brings us to it, we're not going to run. What did, uh, what did uh, uh, Brian tell you to do, Ma? If, if he brings something to you, face it. Faith, don't have fear. Don't run away from it. Face it. Yeah, but I've been dealing with this a long time. It's always whipped my butt. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. You've got something now. You've got the grace of God working. You have faith working. And you're going to whip it. You're going to overcome that. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's what they, And you're going to say that. I've overcome my world. I've overcome it. It doesn't have any power over me no more. I have overcome it. Isn't that cool? So that's what God's going to do for all of us. Thank you for listening. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he drank those things. He drank a mess of, huh? Sure. So, yeah, um, since the first day that he was here and he talked about, one of the first things that he talked about was that people who aren't married or, you know, or even if you're not a woman, <laughs> right, to put that, you know, like, well, maybe that's going to be for me later or that's, you know, for them. So I'm just going to sit here and be a, you know, a, a standby or like just going to be standby and watching, right, like a spectator. But he brought it, cl um, he made it clear that, you know, it's all within. The wife is the church. That's and it. And Christ is the, uh, the husband. The husband. So to put that inward and let even though there's a lot to understand for me, right? I'll just talk about me. There's a lot that I realize that I have a misperception of. <laughs> so to let God, yeah. you know, take care of all that and to, to put that spiritual and to trust God that everything that's being spoken is for me and it's yeah. for you and it's for everybody else um, that's listening to it, right? And also another thing that was that when he spoke, when you talked about some of those things about his testimony, some of the intimate stuff about him and Don and all that, that stuff is, um, I mean, because he always brings it to the spiritual. Sure, it's every based time. on the spiritual and from heaven, you know. And so it was just like, man, just within my spirit, I know that it's, so, it's real. If there was ever a doubt <laughs> about anything, mm -hmm. it was like, man, this is real. And I want to partake of that. So, and then the last thing was the, the line, the, the line in the sand that he talked about. And, you know, the, the thought of uh, Joshua came to, my, to me um, last week that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about it. And now, like you talked about today in the admonishment, is that there's going to be, it's gonna have to, we're going to have to be proven. It's going to have time. to be proven. So I'm very thankful for Gary's fervency in speaking the truth, no matter what mm -hmm. worldly sorrow is put out there, no matter what spirits might be working in us, to speak the truth no matter what and to stick with that. I really appreciate that because there's a word in me that loves that truth. Even though there's other thoughts that doesn't like it so much, that needs to be regenerated. I'm thankful because I, I do want the truth, no matter what, where I may be or any of us may be. That truth is 
he sh- he sh- the testimony showed it this week. It was a witness that, um, and with all the wives and Anne and Don, the dreams she had and everything that she gave, that this is real. The the change in our our pastor's wife here, right? It's it's awesome. Oh, and I love it. And to know that um, it's it's real. It's not fake like you might see in religion, and it's out here. There's actual change that can happen, and that's for me, and that's for everyone in here. That's that's good, Jacob. That was good observations there. It is an inward work, isn't it, guys? It's an inward work. It's not outward. It's not what you do outward. It's inward. It's spiritual. Uh, he mentioned something. Even if you're not married, think about something. Paul said he didn't need a wife. I'm paraphrasing. You know, and he did more than they all. He wasn't married, didn't have a family. Peter was, had a wife, whatever. Paul, no. And he showed you how that would work. He, that's when he starts talking about the eunuch. And also he starts talking about the married and the unmarried. I think it's the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians. You go and read that. He's not talking about natural marriage here. Not even in the least. Everything is spiritual. When he's talking about married and unmarried, those that are married to the Lord and those that aren't married to the Lord. Those that are believers and those that are non-believers. That's what he's talking about. But he uses the term marriage and being married. But it has nothing to do with natural marriage here. Absolutely nothing. And, you know, people have used those verses in marriage ministries, and then the people continue to get divorced because they never understood it. <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, this says this, this says this. They never knew the understanding of it. This is talking about Christ in the church, being married to God, having your life be given to God. That's what it's talking about. And, and if you notice in that, it says believers and unbelievers. That's what it's all about, about whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Wow, it's so powerful. But he says some men are made eunuchs for Christ's sake. That's how Paul was. Didn't need any of that. He just worked for God. By the grace of God, he just worked. And he didn't care about anything else. If it, it, he said, and to those that are married, stay married. To those that are unmarried, stay unmarried, he says. <laughs> it's weird how he, but he says, it, but just work for God is the main thing. Just work for him. Do the things of God and you'll be blessed. That was good. You stirred up some more stuff in me here. That's good. Does that make sense, guys? Powerful stuff. Thank you today. Thank you for everything this past week.